Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back out the start. Fakes the pass all the time. Three. It's William Street. Mobs it up for Robert Williams. Should he go? Taylor Brown. Tatum. Durant, the long reach. Tatum, crossover, pull up jumper. It's good. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics rattle off a couple of back-to-back wins, including an impressive, resilient comeback overtime victory against the Hornets in Charlotte. Joining us to talk all about it, Mr. Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Ben, I'll tell you, at about 9 o'clock last night, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, I was doing very, very poorly. I was looking up advanced stats and I was going to come on here and kill this team. I was going to kill Yudoka. And you know what? All that's disappeared. One, one run in the fourth quarter and then a dominant <laughs> overtime. And I'm in, baby. We're winning 50 games. I'm feeling great. Championship season. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Just some uh, some quick housekeeping here before we go. We're going to look at some game film on this podcast and most future episodes. So uh, to make the most of it, you really want to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Celtics Reddit Podcast. You can't miss it. We're also uploading short clips from each episode. Plus, Spoonie and I are working on another video to follow up on the Tatum playmaking breakdown that you can also find on the channel. Great stuff there. You also get to see our really flawless faces, if I'm being honest. So lots of benefits there, really. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll keep it relevant for the folks on the audio pod as well and speak with great verbosity so you know what's going on. Spoonie, let's look at last night's Hornets game. There were a lot of components to this victory. What stood out to you the most? So I think the obvious one is Tatum was just completely dominant and I think every facet of the game but what I really want to focus on is for I think the first time this season we got stops when we needed them they did it at the last moments right it took them till about four minutes left in the fourth quarter to start getting stops but it I think that maybe we got over the hump on our defensive coverages a little bit because we really started to lock in. Smart was playing that Cobra-style defense, and we just were not giving up anything easy, especially in the overtime where I thought that was just an incredible defensive performance. And, you know, the the defense, I think, has been a big question mark. We let Houston kind of light us up a little bit. The Raptors game, we're going to pretend didn't happen, but, man, that was real (laughs) ugly. Um. And I know what you're talking about. Yeah, happens. right. What? What Raptors game? We haven't played them yet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that whole Charlotte game, Charlotte can score. They're a great offense. I think they were top five in, in offensive rating coming into the game. 
and we finally locked it in and played defense like we've been hearing about all offseason, right? That's all the roster changes were defensive upgrades for the most part, and it's finally started to pay off, and that was just a great win. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking to uh, just... Uh, pleasure yourself for, for lack of a better term. Um, order a pizza, start the game with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter and just like sit back and, and pleasure relax yourself. and enjoy <laughs> and pleasure yourself. Absolutely. Can't think of any, any better way to do that uh, personally. Um, yeah. I mean, Mike Gorman actually called it out on the, on the commentary, but he liked the way that Udoka like pulls individual guys aside or groups of guys aside and, and, and talks to them. And it did seem like coming out of that timeout, I think they went down 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, sorry, they went down 10 with uh, or 12 with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, yep. butchered that. Uh, and Udoka seemed to pull aside Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder as they were coming back in and have some words with them. And then they embarked on what was just the craziest, most fun, uh, you know, two-guard um, perimeter defense that I've seen in a, in a while, particularly from people in Celtics uniforms, given the guards we've had wearing yeah. green in the past few years, and really turned the game around for the for the rest of the team. And, and they kind of led with that energy to turn things around. And, and yes, there is a lot of great stuff to get to from other players as far as contributors from that point onwards. But, you know, you talk about flipping a switch and just from that moment onwards, uh, things really seemed to be driven by the perimeter defense, by Schroeder and by Marcus Smart, who didn't have a great game. Maybe something we'll get to a little bit later, but um, certainly was a catalyst for or partially a catalyst for uh, for that win there. So I don't know what else stood out to you in this one, because there's so much to get to here. Yeah, well, just real quick, that Schroeder Smart backcourt defense it reminded me of the Bradley smart days where Schroeder's kind of that smaller defender but he is just an absolute pest I mean there's a reason everybody hates him and he's just in your jock strap for 80 feet and he he just was everywhere on defense after that little meeting and smart obviously came up with some of the biggest plays on the defensive end to essentially win us the game frankly uh, I noticed that uh, it's interesting you said that because I was watching a stream with the Charlotte announcers and it's interesting Gorman said that because at one point I noticed I think sometime in the fourth quarter Udoka had pulled over just both of the Jays and was talking to them and I just I I, you know I just really appreciated uh that he's like all right it's you two have to pull us out of this hole and you got to win us the game and they absolutely did um one thing that I think kind of went underrated because both the Jays just had incredible performances and really Schroeder had a great performance is Rob Williams was oh. everywhere, like everywhere. He didn't score a lot of points, man, but he kept so many balls alive on both ends of the glass that he won't get the rebound for, but he tipped into Tatum. He tipped to Schroeder. He just tipped out randomly. And he was challenging like every shot. I know there's a lot of talk about how he's not jumping. He's not as dynamic. I I think after seeing, first of all, that dunk on the oop from Tatum and just some of the... (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I think it's by design. And he's played the least amount of minutes he's played this season is 28. And he's done it twice. And then he's had a 40-minute game. And I think he played 36 or so last night. He had played over 30 minutes three times in his entire career before this season. So, you know, I'll take 90% of Rob playing 35 minutes a night over 100% of Rob 
playing every third game for 25 minutes a night. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when that 90% seems to come with new facets to his game or at least improved facets that we haven't really seen before. I really like that he didn't uh, over-assert himself on this game and sort of allowed it to naturally come to him. Uh, I I bring up my fantasy team way too much on this podcast, but he is a a pillar of my dynasty team. (laughs) And I noted at halftime that he didn't really have a lot of decent counting stats, although, like he said, like you said, Spoonie, he had impacted the game in in several sort of non-statistical ways. But end of the game, he finishes with like 16 boards, a bunch of blocks, and those sort of those tip-out rebounds that you mentioned where like he's gaining extra possessions for the team. And I just like that, yeah, he's sort of letting the game come to him a little bit. Um, and yeah, it must be by design, right? That he has sort of agreed, I don't know whether it's uh, internally with himself or with the coaching staff, like just don't go balls to the wall a hundred percent of the time. You've got to save that for moments of the game where, where we need it. And that alley-oop that he did complete the pass from, from Tatum there, like that was a timely bucket. It wasn't just like a cutout highlight. Like that was a necessary bucket out of a critical moment in the game. So, so really good to see. Other standouts for you from this game, Spoonie? So I think, yeah, yeah, there absolutely is. I think the biggest standout is Neesmith didn't play. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Why didn't we leave with that? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Um, I will say I thought uh, Grant Williams is putting together a nice little season for himself. Uh, I said he's saving his career after the preseason, and he's carried that over. He didn't have a ton of points he didn't have a ton of counting stats but the thing about Grant last year why he was so unplayable was that he just got lit up every single time he was putting a switch and you know he'll concede some buckets Randall kind of lit him up but Randall was all NBA second team like that's gonna happen right but otherwise man I think he's been just rock solid like creeping his way to uh legit important contributor for this team and his jumper he only made one of four from three last night but you know it looks pure it looks smooth I expect him to be creeping around 40 percent from three and uh shout out user red cigar on the reddit he had the stat that the smart brown tatum rob grant williams lineup has only played 17 minutes but it's a plus 43 in those 17 minutes or rather the net rating is 43 so they outscore teams by 43 points per 100 percent possessions in the 17 minutes they played together so um i'm you know the homer simpson gif where he like sneaks back into the hedge and pops (laughs) back out so just imagine start knee smith on my chest and i go back (laughs) into the hedge and I come out with Stark Grant Williams. But uh, I just thought he was so solid. And um, I- I'm interested to hear your thoughts about Schroeder, Ben, because, man, I thought he cost us the game. We were making that run to uh, cut the lead down a little bit. And then he just, like, passed the ball to Charlotte. Like, the man is Jekyll yeah. and Hyde. Uh, and you can really sag off on his jump shot, which clogs the lane a little bit. But... Do you think his positives are outweighing kind of the negatives, like the chaos and the lack of shooting? Yeah, well, like I said, his defense from halfway through the fourth quarter onwards, it's difficult to fault his impact on the game from that point onwards. I think overall, with now the, what the four-game sample size that we've seen so far, 
There are some glaring issues, particularly when he is sharing the court with Marcus Smart, yeah. which given you know the injuries and, and absences that we've had so far, it's necessary, particularly in closing moments of the game. You want your best five out there, even if they don't necessarily complement each other. It's about having people out there who are confident you know, in high-stakes moments of the game and who are capable of making... You know, quick, solid decisions without being impacted by the like the the, the heaviness mm-hmm. of the moment. Yeah. Um, Dennis Schroeder, though, um, there's actually a post on on Celtics Reddit by user Poizo NXO who wrote, "Dennis Schroeder is the perfect complementary guard for the Jays." And they go into right, and I'm not going to read this all. It's early, and maybe call it going overboard, but I really think Dennis Schroeder is the piece this team has been missing. He's extremely quick, could score, create drive. He's crafty, plays tough D and also a decent shooter. I've been really impressed with his play so far, and he's fit on this team. Uh, he is a great player to compliment the Jays. Um, I actually commented down thread here somewhere, and basically, uh, he, I mean, he's not the perfect complimentary guard, and the reason is the, no. the lack of shooting, and, and this user calls out that he's a decent shooter. And he, like, Let's credit Dennis Schroeder. He did hit one very timely open three, I think, in overtime in this game, or it might have been in the fourth quarter, to, to keep us in it when we were down three. Um, but ultimately, there's a reason that he's been left open by the defense so much, and exactly. that is because he he cannot shoot. What do you think, Spoons? Yeah, so I I totally agree. He's not the perfect complement to the Jays. The perfect complement to the Jays would be a guard who can do everything he can do and shoot, but that's like Chris Paul, right? I mean, at some point, we wouldn't have him on the team because he is so good, so I think for someone you can get at $6 million a year, he's the perfect addition. And I'm not surprised, <laughs> unlike this guy, because I've been saying, I think, time and time again, I've written about it, I've commented on this pod, like, Schroeder's really damn good, man. Like, he, you know, that weird season he had with the Lakers, I think he's now kind of underrated. Like, that dude can get into the lane whenever the hell he wants, and like, he was making Charlotte and Houston look like traffic cones at points. Like he was just getting yeah. to the rim at will. He's not a great finisher, but that's okay. Like you just put pressure on the rim and it opens things up for everybody else. And both the Jays took advantage for sure. Yeah, there's it's interesting between Smart and and Schroeder. Like you mentioned Schroeder making the defense look like traffic cones. Like there's two core elements to playmaking, right? There's yep. creating opportunities. And there's executing on those opportunities. I feel like Dennis Schroeder is really good at creating those opportunities and then kind of shits the bed where he's like yes. faced with the decision. Like, do I <laughs> yeah. shoot? Do I pass? Whereas Marcus Smart, you know, he doesn't have that same dribble penetration. He's not as quick, doesn't have as good of a first step. But if he is put in a situation where suddenly an opportunity is created, maybe by some off-ball movement or something that's out of his control, he's really good at executing on those opportunities. So... I wish. I guess what I'm saying is, I wish we could combine them, merge them. Exactly. Into one yeah. Yeah. Player. And then give him one of the Jays shooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah d- right. to your point, the numbers totally bear that out. Smart averaged seven drives a game last year, which is like fine for a secondary ball handler, off guard type of guy. Schroeder averaged thirteen. I mean, John ja Morant averaged eighteen, and he's like unguardable, right? So yep. Schroeder's kind of getting Absolutely. up in that area where you're just. Every time he touches the ball, he's looking to attack, and it is something we simply did not have on the team really last year. Never mind coming off the bench. I mean, this dude's a bench player, right? And he's ending yeah. games for us and playing great. Like, it's just such a big upgrade on 
Jeff Teague, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Brad Wanamaker comes to mind as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wanamaker <laughs> was like, he was fine. You know, he made some shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was okay. Uh, yeah, Jeff Teague, on the other hand, uh, we might get to him a little bit later, actually, in, a, in, a, in the Reddit recap. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so something that we were talking about just on, on Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart, something we discussed in our Slack Admittedly, before the turnaround, where we started to look good as a team and with Schroeder and Smart on the court, was that these guys just can't coexist on a team, let alone on the court together, and that maybe a trade will be necessary in order to sort of um, back us out of that dead end, for lack of a better term. Are you still feeling that way, or do you think that we can progress to a point where they can coexist? I I think we're at a spot where, I mean, if you trade Schroeder whatever, right? He's not coming back, but he doesn't really have any value because the team that trades for him isn't going to have his bird rights. So you got to send him to a contender. And then like, what are you going to get back? Talon Horton, Tucker, that's probably not even that good of a prospect. And Mm -hmm. what are you just going to get another different role player? Like, I'm not sure that makes sense. And then, so then you're walking into the, do we trade Marcus Smart? And that's an entirely different discussion, and I'm glad Jay's not here for it because he would shut it down (laughs) immediately, but Smart's kind of worrying me a little bit, man, with his play. Like, he offensively, like, obviously his defense was amazing, he made some great plays, but damn, he looks like out of sorts on offense, man. He can't get a shot to go, he's not really... How many like, oh, damn, that was an amazing Marcus Marcus Smart passes have we seen? Like, you know, he used to be good for like two of those a game. And now I can't even really remember one this year. No, it's it's why we thought he would be more than a competent point guard. Yeah. And yet here we are, you know, uttering that, you know, that uh, forbidden word trade in basically our first or second episode of the of the regular season. It's uh, it's tough. He did mention in the post game interviews that he'd been suffering from migraines and that, being yeah. sick and vomiting earlier that morning. So I'm kind of I don't know. Like maybe that's a strategic comment by Smart. It just is sort of a um, a subtle way of being like I'm not feeling myself lately for whatever reason. Um, so with that said, I'm willing to give him a little bit more time to sort of put it together because yeah, I mean. We should at least allow, given his tenure with the team, we should allow for that part of Marcus Smart that you mentioned to emerge. Because yeah. if it does, then we're in really good shape. And based on these last two games, we're sort of progressing into better shape anyway, despite how Smart's been playing. And uh, in yeah. the Rockets game, a lot of that had to do with Al Horford, let's be honest, who's been awesome. It was um, amazing. But yeah, that I think that's going to be a, a focus for us and, and a lot of other pundits this season is the Smart and, and Dennis Schroeder combination and do we want to sort of err on the side of one of them and look to move the other um would obviously be tough particularly for jay to to lose marcus smart but if it's <laughs> going to benefit the team long term um and he does have more value than than dennis schroeder let's be no honest. doubt about That's it. something that we uh we could look at i think we're, we're going to get to some of the sort of negative portions of this game and the houston game um and particularly around the defense so far but before we do that i really feel like we need to circle back on the jays who combined for i don't know what was it 70 71 points 71 um no big deal which is just (laughs) incredible yeah Yeah. and we finally got tatum and brown sort of playing a a really good game in in unison and and brown kind of playing that like he had a pippin game essentially where in his own right had an awesome game but it's sort of um eclipsed by you know the the tatum performance there What, what do you we talked about tatum a little bit earlier um I suppose I, I, we should talk about him a little bit more, let's be honest, because I feel like he almost played like kind of the perfect game. 
Um, just some of the, the passes that he was outletting and, and the um, penetration that he was getting. I just feel like he, he looked kind of like MVP level. What did you think? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm <laughs> obsessed with Jason Tatum's playmaking because I just see so much potential. Uh, and it was like on full display. The types of passes he's capable of making is what makes me feel like sets him apart from like the Paul Georges and the Kawhi Leonard's who are good passers for wings, even great passers for wings. But Tatum had several like he's just dribbling left-handed, gets into the lane, and he doesn't pick the ball up. He just zips it one-handed lefty to like Jabari Parker in the corner. He misses a shot, but like that is like what James Harden does. That's what he's made in his entire career on is making plays like that. And like Tatum flashed all of it last night. He's hucking lobs to Rob. He's getting into the paint, drawing doubles, and just the simple kick out, which is something he did not do nearly enough last year. He didn't leverage his attention he gets and create open shots for other players. And I think the last step for him was kind of finding that um, the balance between scoring and passing. And last night, like you could not find a better balance like that was one of the best if not the best playmaking game I've ever seen from him and he still scored 41 <laughs> like that's insane yeah. and he was Absolutely. amazing on defense <laughs> yeah legitimately MVP level that actually yeah. segues really nicely into our uh, underrated play of the game segment which we'll start with now you see Peyton Pritchard bringing the ball down the court and we're going to slow it down here a little bit as Jabari Parker, uh, who had an awesome game, by the way. Yes, he did. Hands off here to Jason Tatum, who surveys the defense, fakes out his defender, immediately gets that penetration. Look at him whip this pass, sort of a combined all, left right-handed pass through multiple outstretched hands. All five Hornets Pritchard. in the paint, too. All Absolutely. five Hornets and Pritchard bang. And he's never been so open. And we've actually tacked on another play on the back end here because it was essentially the, the same same play here, but to the opposite side of the court. Rob Williams sets the screen here for Tatum, who almost loses the ball on the dribble there. And you see Hayward has to come out and cover the, the dropping Rob Williams there. It just leaves Marcus Smart, who even with his terrible shooting form so far is just so open. You see Hayward scrambling back and having flashbacks of his decision to leave Boston <laughs> as Marcus Smart drains the three there. And uh, just two really good and probably underrated examples of Tatum's playmaking there. So really good to see. And, you know, to be honest, Spoonie, I thought of you in these moments. You know, you created, you know, you compiled the footage and really did all the, the legwork for that Tatum clip that we've put up on the channel. And uh, this is just, I feel like, an even enhanced version of, of that kind of playmaking that we've highlighted so far. So really good to see. Yeah, I mean, he was just absolutely insane. That was actually a really clutch play and a clutch shot by Smart, too, because the game was, we were kind of losing the game, too. And I feel like last year, that's a play Tatum gets into the lane and throws up one of his bullshit floaters and throws his hands up in the air and gets mad at the ref for not getting a foul. And instead, man, he saw Hayward crash on Rob to help. And he just hit smart wide open, and there you go. All of a sudden, we're back in the game. We end up winning. So, I I mean, I'm just super encouraged. I hope that he carries this forward because he had 17 potential assists. That's a pass that leads directly to a shot. 17. <laughs> that's That's <laughs> absurd. That is absurd. I would love to see the potential assist connection between Tatum and uh, Shemi Ojale last year, because I feel like it's it's through the roof. Uh, but now we've got Grant Williams. He's out there. He's knocking down threes, albeit Fire not in this away. game. Uh, absolutely. 
uh, known good shooter, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> Reddit user I am D King Sama commented on the post game thread. They wrote, "Things are far from where you want them to be, but you got to love how this Celtics team has responded after Toronto getting Ime's first win in a tough game where they actually finished the job." Also, Marcus Smart is one of a kind man, has a pretty bad game for like 85% of the game and then just becomes a completely different player and makes all the winning plays uh, LMAO for the young kids out there. Um, (laughs) I wanted to sort of touch on the first part of the comment there, Spoonie, where, yeah, it's sort of far from a perfect game and we had sort of discussed offline like some of the defensive deficiencies exhibited by the Celtics so far in this season. Did you want to sort of expand more on that? Yeah, so ultimately, I think we are conceding a ton of wide open threes, and I'm not sure if it's a combination, or rather, I think it's probably a combination of just kind of feeling each other out on the defensive end, getting used to the system, and I think part of it is coaching, which may not be an issue. Um, You know, a behind-the-pick pull-up three is not the worst shot to concede. And it looks like our defense is kind of angled to allow that, but it ain't 1980 anymore. There's lots of... Every team basically has a guy who can make that shot. So I'll be interested to see as the season goes along how we defend that shot. Um, But I think the Knicks game is a good example of the types of things I'm concerned about. Uh, But, you know, we're going to load up a clip here and you can see... Smart gets picked. Rob is staying home on Julius Randle, and ultimately he just doesn't guard Evan Fournier, who is like making everything. And again, here you've got Smart and Tatum. Smart's telling Tatum to pick up ball. Tatum kind of doesn't, gets picked, and then Smart just doesn't cover LaMelo Ball. And then on this last one here, if you look in the bottom right-hand corner, Tatum gets picked. Jalen Brown just doesn't move. And they just concede a wide open three to LaMelo ball. So it's like, okay, they're setting a down screen for LaMelo, who's absolutely lighting us up. Tatum gets hit with a clean pick. And then Jalen just stands there. Next, literally, they could hold hands. They were so close. They were like shoulder to shoulder. So is Jalen supposed to switch that to get out on the shooter? My guess is yes. And that's kind of indicative of Jalen Brown's weakness on defense is that he's kind of floaty off ball or is Tatum supposed to fight over that and get out to LaMelo? Um, So if Tatum's supposed to fight over that, I have some serious coaching concerns. My guess is Jalen just didn't switch and didn't see the pick coming. Uh, And I mean, that's just, I mean, that's basically a layup, man, a catch and shoot three on simple, simple action. Like that's just a simple down screen that happens every possession Like, how can you concede a wide open three on that? Like, there's like five seconds taken up on the shot. They just dribbled it over half court. Like, that. I bet LaMelo was like, oh, shit, I'm wide open. I better shoot this. Like, he was probably (laughs) surprised. And that's what it's tough for me to know right now, whether it's coaching or whether it's just guys not really understanding the defense just yet. Because if he was supposed to switch and Jalen was supposed to be out there, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, And I do think that is what happened. Um, But those two previous clips, uh, the first one was that Knicks game where uh, we were a little late to this, but Yudoka eventually just told Rob, don't switch, stay on Randall. Smart gets hit with a good pick and Fournier just kind of walks into a wide open three. And it's one of those things where like, yeah, 
stick to Randall as much as you reasonably can, but you need to know when you're in scramble mode and you need to get out on a shooter, right? Like Mm -hmm. Fournier's lighting us up. You got to get out to him, Rob. I'll take smart on Randall on a post up 10 times out of 10, 20 feet from the hoop, then an Evan Fournier walk in wide open three in crunch time, right? So that's just the type of things where I I do think it's probably not system-based. It's just, you know, new coach, new players, new everything, basically. And Rob also, you know, he's a little floaty on defense, too. Like, he's obviously a physical freak, but he has his issues on defense for sure. So I'm, I was worried about six minutes left in the fourth quarter of that Charlotte game, but then they seemed to really, once they dialed it in, like you said, where Schroeder and Smart were just unleashed, like as I think Rob called them dogs, Mm-hmm. Then things start to kind of click into place. So I'm going to be really interested to see in the next like week or two if our defense cleans up a lot because we are giving up way too many open threes. I mean, way too many. When Kelly Oubre goes five for five from three to start <laughs> the game, like that ain't okay. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Ime Odoka has been really transparent and a lot of people in the media on yeah. various podcasts have called this out in post-game interviews where people are like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, well, exactly this happened. And he's yeah. mentioned the the miscommunications on switching and how they changed up their coverages mid-game and how that led to confusion so, yeah, like you say, if that is coaching or confusion about, you know, the, the strategy from yeah. the player's point of view, surely that's something that can be cleaned up. And like you said, they certainly looked locked in from six minutes to go in the fourth quarter onwards, including the overtime. Those guys were locked in, um, which oh, yeah. bodes extremely well. It shows that you know, they're improving on the fly, which is great. Um, we're going to move to miscellaneous points now, which is kind of my favorite part of any sort of game recap because you just get to all the stuff that kind of happened but that wasn't really significant the enough goofiness. to to have a yeah to have a full yeah. segment over so uh i'll start and we'll just go back to back here spoon so my first miscellaneous point jabari parker with the first quarter like i'm gonna stop us from being in a point where we can't come back to in to win this game uh with these line drive threes like literally like mathematically calculating Impossible what is the flattest angle <laughs> yeah amazing uh it was just really good to see it was kind of the first look that we got of jabari parker so far this season um and he was very very effective at a time where we really, really needed him so that was really promising what do you got spoons yeah well and uh, just on jabari i do think it's interesting i'm kind of glad we brought him back because there's not a lot of 15th men who have an NBA skill. Like, we know Jabari's got his faults, but the dude can put the ball in the hoop, man. Like, that's that's important Is when a- you have a guy who's deep, deep in your bench, and you're like, go nuts, Jabari. You got three minutes to shoot as many shots as you want. <laughs> and man, did he ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that I think the third or the fourth three where... He wasn't really open and he kind of like shot it completely off balance at the top of the key there. Uh, and again, just like right when it was out of his hands, it was kind of already in the basket. The least amount of distance traveled to get to the hoop. Just uh, from like a physics standpoint, really just like quite, quite an amazing. It is bizarre uh, to watch, there. but I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So uh, I just thought, um, I thought Pritchard was just solid. Right? Like, he's just making some threes. He's just being, you know, not turning it over. I just thought Pritchard was, like, being all right, man. And that's all we really need from him as, like, the third or fourth guard. Uh, I just, like, 
you make your spot ups, you don't turn it over. He was kind of getting into LaMelo a little bit, uh, not really stopping him, but you know, that's all you can really ask for for Pritchard. So I thought PP kind of, he did his thing. And if he could give us 15, 20 minutes and not get killed, man, what more do you want from the 26 pick? Yeah, absolutely. And I thought he was really navigating high screens really well on defense, whereas Smart and Schroeder early in the game were getting caught up on them. He was really weaving through them and, like you said, sticking on LaMelo there, which was really promising. Um, From a rotation standpoint, you know, obviously we've got the starters and then the next two, um, like, I guess, like iterations of lineup seem to be first Jalen on the bench and then Tatum on the bench. And sometimes we can see the inverse of that. And the first instance of Jalen in the bench that we saw, and yes, some of it was that Jabari Parker explosion that we that we talked about. Um, I thought that was really good, and it was cool to mm. see Jalen Brown play make a little bit more and bring yeah. the ball up and kind of be in, in charge of conducting the offense and and be the guy for a little bit and then not suck in doing so. <laughs> um, we're gonna see a lot of that, right? Where we need to have either Jalen or Tatum on the court at all times. We certainly know that Tatum can handle his business. To so to see a nice chunk of Jalen doing the same, I thought was, was really impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're kind of fawning over Tatum's 41 point performance, but in that Knicks game, Jalen was, had a very similar performance to this. I mean, he was playmaking better than I've ever really seen him. And it looks like he's really, uh, taken a step in, in playmaking. You know, he didn't have the ball a ton this, this game. And I think especially in the fourth quarter, I don't want to say he got frozen out but Tatum was just rolling so you got to give him the ball and Jalen's just got to kind of space out in the corner like that's the best thing for the offense uh mm-hmm. but yeah I I think that we got killed last year when Tatum was on or Tatum was off and Jalen was on I think we had a negative net rating and we had like a three or four positive net rating when it was just Tatum out there so if Jalen can kind of prop up the team while Tatum rests, we're going to be tough to beat because you can easily roll those guys for 48 minutes. Like we don't have to ever have one of both of them on the bench. And, you know, the early returns are really good. And that run was, was very fun. And Jalen was just kicking it to Jabari and he was just stroking it, man. (laughs) Go to work, Jabari. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Get out of your, get out of his way, Jalen. Jabari. (laughs) <laughs> we've got to keep an eye on that because yeah while it's one thing to say that the Jalen and the bench lineup was really productive it happened to yeah align with that Jabari Parker explosion and that's probably not yeah. gonna happen every game so something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on and let you guys know uh throughout the season uh another point that I had was that there was some really uh like mad hustle moments. So one was yeah. midway through the third quarter where the Hornets went up by five, I think on another LaMelo three, who I really can't overstate how awesome LaMelo is. It's so, so fun yeah. to watch, even when he's kicking your ass. Um, <laughs> and then we came out of a timeout and like quickly evened it up. And then of course, being down 12 with six minutes to go in the in the fourth quarter and also like not always having the upper hand in overtime and always yeah. clawing back. Um, and sort of a throwback to how we performed in, or how we conducted ourselves I say ourselves, the Celtics, um, in the Knicks game as well. It's just, it's really good to see. And part of this early sample size is like trying to see what tendencies, if anything, carried over from last season. And like, this is new. This is new, yeah. this kind of resilience. And I, I think probably Coach Odoka, um, you know, uh, we can be thankful for him in that sense. Um, 
other missed points, Spoonie, to wrap this up? Yeah, just one random thing. There was a long stretch of this game where Marcus Smart was covering Mason Plumley. And <laughs> yeah. it was really a great adjustment by Udoka because Plumley was setting those uh, high screens for Lamelo. So Schroeder's on Lamelo, Smart's on Plumley. So when the screen gets set, then Smart's on Lamelo, and mm-hmm. Charlotte just like didn't adjust because that's their offense, right? It's like high screen and roll for Lamelo. We go from there, and it was you know Plumlee kind of beat us up on the boards a little bit, but I think that was just such a good adjustment, and I think we definitely won that matchup uh, because you know go nuts, Plumlee. You want to post up Schroeder fifteen times <laughs> this game? Like go ahead, buddy. We'll see what happens and. Uh, you know, pick your poison, Lamelo. You want Schroeder or Smart? Uh, and that was just, I think, really clever. And it's something I don't really remember Brad doing very often. Yeah, that's interesting. And I should ask you, Spoons, like, what differences stylistically are you starting to notice from this Udoka-led team compared to Brad Stevens? And are you erring on the positive or the negative side of that? Um, I'm erring on the to be determined. I, I don't have an interesting response for you on whether it's positive <laughs> or negative just yet. I just think we need to see more. Uh, but Playing one thing safe. I don't, yeah, one thing I don't love <laughs> is that Tatum and Brown are not running a lot of pick and roll and both of them were awesome at pick and roll last year. I think Tatum was around 75th percentile and Jalen was like 82nd percentile. Uh, Tatum's running 3.8 a game. He ran seven a game last year. And Jalen's running about three and a half or so. And that's like what he ran last year. And, you know, you think, especially without Kemba, you want to see that number tick up for Jalen. But I think last night, both of them ran a lot more pick and roll than they did the previous three games. And guess what? Our offense was absolutely awesome. So that's the one concern I have is if these guys are truly going to make it a point to play make for others, you just got to put them in pick and roll. Like Rob and Al are like so deadly for different reasons in the pick and roll. And if Tatum and Brown are going to pick defenses apart, like there's your offense, right? Like you don't have to do much else than that. And he is posting Tatum up more, which I really like. Uh, I think he's just un he's unguardable down there if he's going to pass it out because you got to double him. And you saw Grant Williams got three or four wide open threes just straight up off Tatum post-ups like that's not a difficult play right you just go down there Tatum turn around catch the ball kick it for a wide open three so I do Mm -hmm. really like that he's posting them up a lot more yeah I um am not as considered in my approach as you are uh Spoonie I'm very positive on on the Udoka side of things I uh, so it's more of a vibes thing for me rather than like an X's and O's thing but you know there's that uh clip or gif of Brad Stevens like running into the locker room at Butler and like jumps into this like pile (laughs) of celebrating players and there's like this love and unison between him and the players we've seen a bit of that with with Udoka already and I suppose it's just from the fan perspective, but to see these positive vibes sort of top down from staff to players and, and front office people and, and whatnot, uh, I really enjoy that. I, th- I think that it, it makes the team uh, more more enjoyable to follow and that Udoka is like kind of someone that you can cheer for. I didn't necessarily feel that way about Brad. He was kind of like this mysterious, what's going on with Brad Stevens kind of thing. Um, I I just like the way that Udoka presents himself and that the way that he is open and transparent, both with the media and his relationship with the players as well. 
um, and certainly has run some some good sets that we've seen no doubt um, so far on the court. Not consistently, um, but uh, yeah. you know, it's new. He's a rookie head coach, and if you look at the coaching staff on the bench, they're all young dudes. Like they're all like I feel like our age, Spoonie or like Sotomayor, baby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right. So give them time, I guess is all I'm saying there. Yeah, and you know I think that Celtics fans. And especially the folks on the subreddit, I'm not sure how much other teams they watch. Like, I don't watch a ton of other NBA teams, but I do watch other games. And I think maybe we're a little overly harsh on, you know, oh, we just ISO, we only ISO, we never pass. Like, yeah, we ISOed too much last year, but we were like eighth. You know, mm-hmm. we were not, it's not like we were ISOed the most of any team. And right now, I think we're fourth in assist percentage. So the ball is popping. Like, I really don't have a ton of negative on the offensive side other than put that, put the Jays in pick and roll. But ultimately, that's more of a nit. Yeah, that's more of a nitpick than anything. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, sometimes sets grind to a halt, man. That's just like the nature of NBA basketball. The other team's also full of NBA players, right? Like, you can't always Mm -hmm. get what you want every offensive possession. That's why you have guys like the Jays who can turn nothing into, you know, a contested jumper that they make. Like, that's the value of a superstar, right? Yeah. And some of those fadeaways that Tatum was making were just, like, Ridiculous. sensual. Like, absolutely a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of remaining missed points here. We're really getting into the, the reads here. But Gordon Hayward, not great. Not a great performance from Gordon Hayward. Um, and no. it's not that I have anything against the guy personally, but just, again, from the fan perspective, being like, yeah, we didn't pay you $30 million a year or whatever suck it was it. going to be. <laughs> yeah, suck it. That's right. It feels good. Um, Tatum almost injuring himself with the final, I guess, in the final <sighs> 20 seconds of the game. Um, real Tony Allen ACL tear vibes there as it was going up and essentially a dead ball situation. Um, I know we were like on, on the chat at, uh, together at that point, Spoonie, and there was there was some bated breath, I suppose, as that yeah, play uh, unfolded. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no! Uh, <laughs> yeah, is this how it ends? <laughs> Why? <laughs> that was really dumb. He should never do that. Take the turnover, JT. God, yeah, he wanted 40 is what he wanted. <laughs> and it's not even a turnover that gets attributed to you individually. Nope. It's a team turnover. Nope. So mm-hmm. maybe someone should tell Tatum that. Uh, finally, Grant Williams lobbying for a review and gets the call upgraded to a flagrant early in the fourth quarter where, you know, like that, you could put that down in the list of essential plays as part of the comeback. Like he lobbied presidentially. He might make a good politician at some point, Um, you know, went into bat for himself and came out victorious. It was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's a VP of the Players Association for a reason, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure he dropped that that credential to the ref. Like, do do you know who I am? I'm Grant fucking Williams. (laughs) Yeah. My mom worked for NASA, right? <laughs> Anything else on this game or the Houston game, Spooning, before we move on? Uh, so, real quick on the Houston game, I think people are being overly critical of our performance. Like, Jalen Green was averaging nine points going into that game, and he was hitting some shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sometimes dudes get really hot, and there's nothing you can do, and they're going to keep a game close. Like, if he wasn't he made like nine or 10 threes. Like if he hits five, that's like a 30 point game in the third quarter, Mm -hmm. you know? So I, I just think we were so obviously the better team. Like, yeah, I'd like to blow them out by 45 points, but I I think, you know, 
people saying like, oh, well, we barely beat Houston. Uh, That was an anomalous performance by Houston, and we still beat them by 10, right? So I wouldn't worry too much about that one. I completely agree. It was not as close as the final score uh, showed. Right. And some of those shots that, that Jalen Green were getting were sake of those poor perimeter coverages that we covered earlier. So again, yep. likely something Let the team will, will behind the pick. Totally, totally. Before we move on, we're going to get yeah. to the play of the game. I think you can guess what play this is going to be as I queue it up here. <laughs> we see a nice tip from Smart there. And here we've got both Jays in transition with Tatum with the pass over to Jalen Brown. Slam a jammer. Terrible. Yeah, look at yeah. That. weak dunk, Jalen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely crushed him, man. That was I got so hype. I'm surprised that I watched the game in the basement. I'm surprised I didn't wake my baby up on the second floor, <laughs> man. Because that was just such an incredible play. And Tatum's Tatum's reaction is the best part. Look at him. That's a nasty. Now it's time for the Boston Celtics Reddit Recap. All right, this is the Reddit Recap. We've got two posts here. We're going to start with one by literally Brad Stevens, username Brad Stevens. They go and write, the trio of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Rob Williams have been the best big three in basketball through the first week. 120 trios have played 60 plus minutes together. Brown, Tatum, and Williams come in at number one at plus 25.6 in 73 minutes. That's a 121.2 offensive rating, a 95.5% defensive rating, outscoring opponents 189 to 149. Also, if you go down to duos instead of trios, Brown and Tatum are still number one out of 215 duos. Brown and Tatum come in at number one in the league at plus 27 in 77 minutes, um, 120 offensive rating, 93 defensive rating, outscoring opponents by 201 to 155. Any thoughts? I mean, I know we've covered these guys, you know, pretty in depth at this point of the podcast, Spoonie. But any, like, does, obviously, does that surprise you, or any further thoughts on that that fact? Yeah, I, it's surprising to me because of the, you know, these early season small sample sizes. A game like the Toronto game can really screw up, you know, your advanced stats for a couple weeks, and we got mm-hmm. pounded in that game. So I think it's telling that, man, they must really be outplaying people in the other games uh, if they're still number one after that Toronto massacre. So I think Rob really projects as like a perfect complement to the Jays and the numbers are are bearing that out. And we've always been awesome with those three on the court. The problem was Rob was never on the court. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, but obviously the Jays can't play together. So we should trade one of them, of right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Reddit user Down East Sun in the comment section on that post wrote, early days, but that's a real nice stat to see. Opponents are shooting 38% from three with those three on the floor too. So it's not like there's been some crazy shooting luck. 39% opponent, two-point percentage uh, uh, will go up, but Rob, Jalen, and Tatum can at least impact that uh, a little bit more. So some really, really promising numbers there. Um, very quickly, we'll end on another post from Lightning Fast 31 They ask, a Celtics player that you just didn't like? And they go on to write, what player in recent memory did you just not really like when you were uh, when they were on the Celtics for whatever reason? In recent memory for me, two players come to mind, and the second one, most people won't like that I said this. The first was Jeff Teague, black hole on offense, wasn't a good defender, just terrible all around. The second player, Kemba Walker. I like Kemba as a person, but I just never thought he fit and would get cooked on offense and was inefficient on offense, and his fans were pretty annoying, which made me not care for him at all. So throwing some shade at the uh, yeah. at the Kemba fans there. What do you think there, Spoonie? Any Celtics players you just didn't like? I'm going to get flamed for this, Ben. Awesome guy. 
hilarious, super cool. Brad Stevens made him $60 million. I could not stand to watch Evan Turner play basketball. <laughs> Say, tell I me just, more. His advanced stats were always terrible. We'd always get roasted in the third quarter when he was running the offense. The only thing he could do was he was slightly above average at mid-range jumpers. That's the worst shot in basketball. So being slightly good at that does not make you a good player. And I would go after him on the Reddit and get crushed because everybody loved E.T. when he was there. And I just, oh, man, I hated that dude's game. I really did. Yeah. No, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, looking back on who the fan base valued as a good player then compared to like what we have the luxury of valuing now. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I could, I could definitely see in hindsight why Evan Turner uh, wouldn't have fallen into favor with you, Spoonie. I, uh, you know, we obviously have a different approach to, to the game, but a great locker room guy, great interview guy, True. Very strange sounding voice. I'm not sure what's going on with his larynx there or whatever is responsible for that. But uh, just from the like the meme internet fandom standpoint, and it was right when that sort of portion of uh, sort of NBA Twitter fandom was on the come up. Uh, Big time. I thought yeah. that Evan Turner delivered a lot. But yeah, I certainly left a lot on the floor as far as like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Actually here? winning basketball games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For me, it's Von Wafer, who uh, I've. I've <laughs> I think a lot of fans are like, oh, yeah, of course. Fuck that guy. Um, but for me, I've told the story on the pod before, so I'll, I'll keep it um, truncated. But the first time I ever went over to Boston to see the Celtics play was in April of 2011. And I very naively went right at the end of the regular season with like yep. three games to go. First game, got to see the starters, got to see Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG, Rondo, etc. Um, the subsequent two games, one of which was, one of which was in Washington, D.C., Doc Rivers rightfully rested his starters ahead of the playoffs. And I got to travel all this way to see guys like Von Wafer play basketball. And in that game in Washington, D.C., he threw down a dunk, missed it, thought it went in, and did like this big celebration at sort of my end of the court um, and just embarrassed me and like every Celtics fan in the building. Like it was truly an embarrassment and just such a boneheaded play. I'll never forgive him for it. Uh, and for that As reason, he, he is my answer to this question. Yeah, uh, not who I was expecting, although <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. He was pretty terrible. Him, yeah. I always confuse him, and I'm not even sure this guy played for the Celtics. You remember Vander Blue? Was he a Celtic? Uh, he I must just, have been because the name rings a bell. I think they might have both been on Houston, too. But, man, yeah, okay. Vaughn, I actually sadly had high hopes for Vaughn because I was like, oh, he yeah. can shoot threes. He'll be good. He was yeah. not good at all. He was not good. <laughs> Oh, well, there will be more Von Wafers in our future, I'm sure. So, <laughs> for sure. Uh, keep a lookout for that one, Celtics fans. All right, that's going to do it for this one. The Celtics have a home and home coming up against the Wizards starting tomorrow night in Boston. Spoons, predictions for these matchups? Um, so I'm just going to alert everyone who listens to this pod, all 10 of you. Uh, do not freak out if we lose this next game. It'll be our fourth game in six nights. Coming off an OT battle with Charlotte. Do not freak out. I think we split one and one. I think we lose tomorrow and then we win the next game. Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable, even if it goes the other way around. I do think that there has to be something said for uh, the Celtics needing to play a makeup game to make up for their season home opener where they completely shot the bet against the Raptors. Maybe that spurs them onto a victory. Then maybe they relax a little bit and lose in DC. Um, But I think it's a split as well either way. 
Folks, please like, subscribe, share. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.